Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. And I'm going to read to you verse fifteen. Now, an important element of the study of the word is the study of the word grants you two things quickly. One of them is knowledge. Knowledge is I know. I know I'm born again. I know I'm a son of God. Knowledge is given to you. But there is also skillfulness. You know, there's skill. Now, skill is often a, a, a function of consistent exposure to the knowledge. Consistent exposure. Notice that Paul writes Timothy and he tells him to continue. Second Timothy 3.14, he told him here to continue. And, and continue is to be steadfast as something uh, and to um, be consistent at it. That consistency grants you a skill. You know, if you, have you tried to stop evangelism uh, for maybe a month or two? I want to go back. Now, I, I, I don't want to stretch it into like 10 months. That makes it worse. And you're trying to get back in it. You know, it will be like you struggle. But if you do it so consistently, after a while, you look like you're skillful at what you're doing. Hebrews 5.12. The writer of Hebrews says, for the time for when, for the time when you ought to be teachers, you need that one teach you again, that which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Now, the word first principles, there's a Greek word stoichia, S-O-T-I-C-H-I-E-A. It means elementary. Some versions have the elemental, but it's fine. Elementary things, okay? Elementary things of the principles of Christ. Then in verse 13, it says, you have need of milk and not of strong meat. It says, and then you're unskillful in the word of righteousness because it says, strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, who by the reason of use have exercised their senses, verse 14, to discern between good and evil. Now, look at 13 and 14. 13 says you are unskillful. 14 says exercise your senses to discern between good and evil. So there's an exercise, okay? So you become unskillful by not exercising yourself. So exercise there will mean to, uh, like, you know, expand your muscles. This is the natural now. And it means to get into the practice of it. So when it comes to the word, there is the knowledge, okay, you get to know. And there is the skillfulness that comes with it where you are able to, you know, to relate with the word from a more experiential point of view a more experiential point of view. You're able to relate with it from a more experiential point of view. For example, now, if you <coughs> learn some about the inward witness, Romans chapter 8, 14, says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 15 says, for we have not received the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but the Spirit of adoption, hereby we cry, our Father. 16 says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now, the word bears witness, there's a Greek word, so material. Now, let me just spell it for you. S u double m a t e. So, S-U-M-A-T-U-R-E-O, just like that. Some material. is now Anytime you see some in Greek, it means together. Okay? So, some material there will mean double witness. Now, what does that mean? Or to witness with another, better way. Now, in Romans 9, 1, Paul uses the same word. He says, my spirit bears me witness in the Holy Ghost. Romans 9, 1, bears witness. Romans 9, 1. 
So when it says uh, the spirit bears witness, and that's what's called the inward witness. Now, you, you necessarily uh, won't see that word in scripture, the inward witness. But you'll see the practice of it, you know, in several places. For example, Acts 20 and 22, where Paul says, um, I go to Jerusalem bound in the spirit. Uh, not knowing the things that befall me, save the Holy Ghost witnesses and testifies in every city that bonds and afflictions are with me. Now he says, I'm bound in the spirit. That's the word deal. It means you're bound. You, something holds you. You, you. It holds you in the spirit. Now that's not a function of a, a, a feeling. It's in the spirit. Now listen carefully now. Now, the inward witness, for example, becomes a practice. And Paul, Paul knew he was bound in the spirit by the virtue of practice. So you get to know the inward witness, and that's how God speaks to you. You get to know the inward witness by practice. I sense something here. I sense. Now, I'm not talking about instinct or your gut feeling. No, not instinct or gut feeling. This is the spirit bound in the spirit there. Is Dio un Numa, which is the Greek, it means that in the spirit, a definite place, a person, you are bound or you are held. Okay, now trust the thing here is, <coughs> Paul says, not knowing the things that shall befall me, save that the Holy Ghost witness every city, which means people were prophesying to him there's going to be trouble. So he knew that. But in spite of the prophecy, he knew that he had to go. In fact, the very next chapter, Acts 21. He goes and sits with his disciples and some of his folks, his company. Then they, 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 they said to Paul through the Spirit, verse 4 and 5, that he should not go. And then, now, that's by prophecy. They prophesy, hey, don't go. And don't go. He goes to the house of uh, uh, Philip, the evangelist, verse 8. And then the daughters, seven of them, they prophesy. Okay? Then as he leaves again, verse 10, now tells us to verse 11, there was a prophet called Agabus who uh, held to his girdle, and then he, uh, the way Agabus does it, Agabus just picks a girdle. He doesn't know who owns it. He now says, uh, 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 whoever owns this, uh, he will be bound by the Romans and taken uh, to, bound Jerusalem, so taken to Romans and all that. And he said that, and, and then so everyone said, we told him he shouldn't go. We don't know the content of the prophecies of, uh, uh, of Philip's daughters. We told him he shouldn't go. Now we have Agabus. And Agabus had earlier on, uh, of course, in Acts 11, 28 and 29, he had prophesied that there would be death in all the earth, and everybody saw it and it came to pass. So, which means what Agabus is saying is going to come to pass. And so, Paul says, why do you break my heart? I'm prepared to go to Jerusalem and die. Now, notice that they give a prophecy. Prophecy, simply, simply in that instance, is a revelation of prophecy. It means it gives information. Uh, this is going to happen. It is not yet a direction. Paul knew the direction by the knowing in his spirit. Now, the only way you could, that could happen to you is if you had exercised yourself well enough to know the difference between people giving you an information different from direction. If you are not exercised in that, if I saw that there are believers that hardly know it's the Holy Ghost talking to them, and they've heard them before. I remember one fellow was telling me he's not sure. Let me give you one. Now, there was this lady. This is not my subject, but I guess I'm flowing, right? Okay. This lady, she, she came to me. I was, uh, this was in 96 or so. And, and she came, 
six years. She came and said, the, she had this, no, 95. She came and said, this brother or this fellow, both ways, you know why I'm saying that in a moment, uh, works in a good place, a good guy. They were dating, right? Dating, I'm using dating now, strange, but uh, dating, going out, you know, relationship, blah, 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 blah. And she's cool with the guy. The guy's nice, is lovely. But every time they get into church, she has a strange feeling about him. But when they leave church, no more. She just has a strange feeling. That, the number two, if she's trying to pray for their relationship, listen to this very well, at home, she's okay. But as soon as she steps into the service, and she's trying to say, my future husband, she just feels something's wrong. So she asked me, Problem one, I can't know. What do I think? I don't know. That's the wrong place to ask. So what do I do? Uh -huh, that's the right question. Not what is it? I don't know what it is. Okay? So she said, what do I do? I said, well, you take some time, maybe a little bit away from him, and spend some more time praying in tongues. Obviously, maybe she prays in tongues when there's a move of the Spirit. So, pray in tongues a little bit more. Some basic things I learned from E.W. Kenyon and Brother Hagin are put the Word of God first place. Proverbs 4.20, my son attend to my words, glad to my sayings, keep my music in my mouth, they like the Father has all flesh. Uh, Proverbs 4.20.22. Uh, then, Brother Hagin says, put the Word first place, meditate upon it. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate day and night, right? And observe to do all that is in therein. Then you make your way prosperous and have good success. The word meditate there is agar, similar to roaring out. So you can't meditate without your mouth. So I said you meditate on the word. Then you go to speak the word. What do you say? I'm led by the spirit of God. I'm not confused. You know, Pastor, Pastor Wally has a song like that. You know, if you are confused in your life, sing that song. I'm not confused. I don't lose. I'm not joking. You keep singing it, keep saying it, keep saying it. And the fourth one, instantly obey the voice of the Spirit. Instantly obey the voice. So I saw that. So the four things you're going to do, they're very basic. Said, I do the same thing. The four basic things. She said, okay. But why did I say she separate from her? Because man is a product of influence. So take some time. Don't tell the guy, sorry, I want to separate from you because I sense something. Don't be an idiot. Okay, it's only food that says everything in his heart. So she, do, she does. I said, you will find out something. She found out, not, interestingly, she didn't find out by a vision. But the thing about the leading of the spirit is that somehow your steps will be ordered to find out. She found out he was gay. Now, I told her, it doesn't mean you should not marry him. It's just know what you want to marry. You know why I have to quickly say that? Because if tomorrow she marries someone else and there's a problem, she'll say, and is that person? He didn't want me to marry the love of my life. So a pastor should be wise enough not to commit himself to who marries who. Someone say, who do I marry? Who? You don't get that? Who? Praise the Lord. So I told her, it's your choice, but you have enough information to guard yourself. There's not one single person. Oh, let me leave that out, lest I go into marital con conversation here. But 
obviously for that person, is sure that she has exercised herself more in watching Telemundo. <laughs> so every time she's thinking about relationships, she's thinking about... So everything in her head is romance. The guy will kneel down and bring out ring. When did we start in Africa, please? The guy kneels down, brings ring, and he says, uh, say, Oh, <laughs> take your eyes off your hand, go and pray. <laughs> oh, say, bro, I need to pray. Oh, say yes. Everybody go, say yes. I say yes. Oh, yes. To your will and to your way. See? You are immersed in the senses. Right? When you get married, you need more than kneeling down. You almost remove the ring. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking about some people. Everybody. There's nobody that marriage doesn't get fed up at one point or the other. If you lie here, you won't make heaven. <laughs> Don't say the Lord. <laughs> Hope you get what I'm saying. So, if you start that way, so she's used to the flesh. Take me out on a date, give me ice cream, you know, those kind of things. They're nice. But you, need, you can't live your life on ice cream. Yeah? So, she said, what do I do? I said, I don't know. Do what you want to do. How can you ask me a question like that? What do I do? A pastor should be wise enough to say, do the word. What do I do? Do the word, the word, the word. <laughs> it's better for a Christian to say it is written than pastor said. You know what I'm trying to say. You're, okay, you're just going to bless one with the other. One with the other. So, she you exercise yourself. Yeah, you, you're not used to, you want, uh, you be careful if you're used to always checking Google to take decisions. Google it, Google it. Who should I marry? Google it. You say, where can I travel to? Google it. The best places in the world. Then I say, security, no risks. The GDP is very high. Ah, only? Well, let's look at here. GDP will not, sorry, Google will not give you the spiritual atmosphere. He will tell you, the devil is waiting for you. So, exercise yourself. So, things like that, you've got to have exercise yourself. Well enough to know. To know. And no way till you have to take a major decision in your life. Basic things. Simple things. A pastor should know how to be led by the Spirit of God. I pastor a few people, and I have uh, those who work with me in the ministry. In other words, we are all pastors. Some of them are here, and uh, they know. I tell them, what's God telling you to do? Now, I'm their pastor, right? I'm the one who ordained them in that sense and put them in what they're doing, but they have taught them, know how to be led by the Spirit of God. What's in your heart? Including what, sometimes, what they'll preach. What, 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 what you sense you should teach your congregation? Of course, they teach what I teach, not that. I'm not saying they don't teach what I teach. But the emphasis sometimes could be, okay, what do you think you should preach? You know, you'd be led by the Spirit of God. But if you are not used to 
exercising yourself in things like that. And you're always following what's going on in the world. What are people doing now? What are, you know, and because of that, and I say this very easily, it's easy to trust even those you work with to know what to do. When, when we had decisions to make sometimes, and I tell them, uh, this is how I feel. But I tell them, you know what, you, you come back and let's discuss it. I don't tell them, go and pray. They, they know what I mean by go, let's go discuss it later. And sometimes they bring the things across, and I get to know that's what God is telling us. And we get to do it. Amen? You follow what I'm saying? But if you're used to, oh, what well, is everybody doing? Like Pastor was saying earlier on, you know, everybody's doing uh, Jeans Day. You do Jeans Day. Are you confused? Jeans Day, Jeans Day. Everybody is doing this one. You do it. You do it. Ah. Be pray. Be led by the Spirit of God. You know, be led by the Spirit of God. What's God asking you to do? What's He telling you? And you have to exercise yourself in things like that. Exercise yourself. So there is what you know, knowledge. There is the skill. You know how to. Let's just pray a little bit about it. And you know those things easily in the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes it has to be the time. Even as a preacher, there are things that you know what you just can't teach yet. Look at Jesus. Look at the first sermons of, you know, for John the Baptist closes by, you know, he goes out, if you read Matthew, Matthew 3 very well, from about verse uh, 9 now, 10, 11, down. He, he goes and talks about judgment. Jesus steps in, in Luke 4, and he, he goes to Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. He doesn't mention vengeance at all. First period of his ministry, he just talks about the love of God, the grace of God, the healing, the miracles. But towards the cross, he increased the teaching on judgment. So which means there are things you won't teach at some point. It's not everything you see every time. So obviously he's led at that point. He talks about, you know, the grace of God in Luke 4. In fact, the audience were upset that he's not even talking about judgment against the Gentiles. Just, and they wanted to stone him. But go further to Luke 19. He begins to talk about judgment. Why didn't he do it at the inst first instance? You have to be led by the Spirit of God. So, the inward witness is something you're going to exercise yourself in well enough. You know how to take decisions. In fact, you can't pastor without it. You'll just be following vogues in common sense. So there are, there are subjects I teach every year. I've been pastoring a few days, but I can tell you at least since 1995, 96, there's no year I don't teach this subject, be, being led by the Spirit of God. I always teach it. I always teach it. There are some basic subjects. Leading of the Spirit, walking in love, walking in love, prayer, healing, faith. Basic things. Basic things. Prayer, healing, faith, leading of the Spirit, walking in love. A Christian must know how to feed on those basic things because they affect Christian character and your disposition to this world. Who's following what I'm saying tonight? So you have to exercise yourself in things like that. 
when it comes to forgiveness, you can hear forgiveness say, oh, forgiveness. We have the nature of God and all that. But have you exercised yourself such that you know how to respond to hurts and bitterness? So, those are fundamentals. You do exercise yourself. Paul said, Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 6, exercise yourself. Oh, no, verse 8, pardon me. Exercise yourself. Verse 7, exercise yourself. You have to exercise yourself. And you know how to exercise? You have to practice. James 1. James says, you not, hey, my beloved brethren, every good and every perfect comes from above, down from follow light, when there is no variableness in the shadow of turning, of his own will be God. He has James 1, 18, by, by, by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of fossil of his own creatures. Then in verse 9, he said, then, my beloved brethren, be sweet to hear, slow to speak, so to wrath, for the wrath of man, 20, walk in the righteousness of God. He said, therefore, laying aside, 21, all filthiness, as well as nothingness, receiving meekness, the ungrateful of his soul, to do. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, Deceiving your own selves. The word doer there is taken from a word paso. It means to make a practice of it. Practice of it. Like to make a daily life from it. He said, be ye doers and no hearers only. And I kind of looked at the word after for the word hearers only. A hearer only is like someone who is at the theater and just watches a movie. You're just watching. You are not part of it. You are just watching. But if you are going to be a doer of it, Right, you're going to get into it. So if any be here, only like unto a man who beholds his natural face in the mirror, straight away go at his way and forgets the manner of man he was. Not that he has a memory loss; it just doesn't pay attention to it or considers it. So therefore, we need to learn to exercise ourselves. So there is a part of what we're doing in this conference, we give ourselves to the word and precisely the practice of the word. You know, imagine having a series on prayer and not praying. There was a meeting I had some 21 years ago. It was supposed to be an evangelistic service. No, no. A soul winners conference. December 2001, really. And I explained evangelism. Interestingly, the church's name is Social and So Evangelical Ministries. So we explain evangelism. And we say, wow. They go, ah. We need body for souls. Yeah. So we said, we show up in the evening to do evangelism. Only my team showed up. The pastor had to say, I have to attend to somebody. I have to see somebody. The pastors were the only one. My team were invited. We're the only ones. But in the morning, yes. Yes. That's hearers only. It's time to do it. You just, you just exercise yourself. So the difference between a babe and a mature Christian is not just the fact that they're exposed to insight. It's ex, sorry, it's the exercise in the word. You don't grow because you heard the word. You grow because you practice it. So that's important tonight, just to lay a foundation uh, for. So when we hear God's word, it's to exercise ourselves. So the fruit, the fruit, so the fruit will be seen. So uh, as a preacher, pastor, 
as you teach the word, you must give us, right? What I can call it, uh, 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 give us a teaching on the practice of it. How do you do this? How do you do this? And, and, and that's critical to what we want to study. Are you here? Are you still there? Second Timothy 3 and 15. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul drops the word brephos there. B-R-E-P-H-O-S. Brephos oftentimes is used for an infant. And Peter uses the same phrase in 1 Peter 2 2 as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So, brephos can be used for an attitude. Okay? From a child. So, we have, is he talking about Timothy from an infant? I doubt that. He's talking about Timothy from a spiritual infant, maybe. But most importantly, is that he's talking about an attitude of learning. Brephos. As newborn babes, these are the sincere milk of the word, first Peter 2 2, that you may grow thereby. Okay? So, newborn babes, there is no new convert. It's talking to the whole church. Newborn babes, there is an attitude. Now, if you go to Matthew 11 and verse 25, Jesus says that uh, you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. Also, Luke, Luke 10 21 and 22. You have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. You have revealed them unto babes. Okay, now, babes there is another word, nepios, N-E-P-I-O-S. Now, it has nothing to do with uh, a child, uh, physically speaking. It's an attitude. You, you have not, you've hidden this thing from the wise and the prudent, those who, who think they're intelligent and they know, and you have revealed them unto those who have an attitude of a child. Now, there are times like that, the word babes is used not in a nice way, first Corinthians 3.1. Paul said, our, our, our brethren, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual. First Corinthians 3.1. Uh, but as unto babes. As unto carnal, sorry. Even as unto babes. So he calls carnal, or non-spiritual believers, as it were, babes. Yet, in First Corinthians 13.11, again, let me put that again. He says, uh, when I was a child, so what appeals there, I speak as a child. I understood as a child, all right? I taught as a child. Now, I have become a man. I put away childish things, nepiazo, childish things. However, in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, St. Paul now says, uh, be not children in your understanding, but when it comes to malice, be children. When it comes to evil, be a child. That's be innocent. Be innocent. That is, do not know. But when it comes to the word, don't be a child. Who's following what I'm saying here? It's in the same letter, but the words are used for something else. In Ephesians 4 and 14, where he talks about that you be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It's like craftiness of men, pardon me, whereby you lie, they lie in wait to the sea. So you have the word child or children used positively and not positively. So to learn the word, you must be like a child. 
but you cannot remain a child. You have to grow into an adult, as it were, spiritually speaking. Okay? Yet, when it comes to the things of this world, evil, you must act in the innocence of a child. The funny thing is that we have believers who, when it comes to the things of this world, they are men. <laughs> when it comes to the things of the world, they are <laughs> something else. Okay? So, that must be your answer. So, here we are, Paul speaking to Timothy. From a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. Again, the word wise here has to do with skillfulness. Right? Knowledge that has become a part of you. Uh, make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Our focus is in verse 16. All Scripture. Now, why the emphasis? We'll see that in a moment. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, typically, the word scripture is from the word graphe, G-R-P-H-E in the Greek. Now, of course, this is Yakal House, so when I say Greek, you know what I'm, why I'm saying so. However, in, six, in 15, he doesn't use graphe. He uses grammar content, right? Content. Yet in 16, he uses the writing. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now the first thing we need to quickly declare here is that Paul is not referring to his own letters. No. He's not referring to his own letters. Because here is referring to what we now call the Old Testament. He's not referring to his own letters. He's referring to the Old Testament. And one more thing. In verse 15. Pay attention. So he's referring to, let's take, let, let me get back to 16 again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Property for doctrine, proof, correction, instruction, righteousness. Uh, we'll get to all that maybe tomorrow. But then he says, okay, all scripture. Let me take that, take back, take that back again. Which will refer to typically... Genesis to Malachi. All scripture. Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Genesis to Malachi. That's what was called scripture. Within where you start from Matthew to Revelation. Where you have scriptures. You are referring to Genesis to Malachi. In Luke 24 and 25 when Jesus rose from the dead. And he met his disciples, one of them was Cleopas in 25, and he said to them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Quickly, pay attention to that one. To all the prophets have spoken. So mark that one in your notes, prophets. 26, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Then he says, so look at the word Christ there. Now, if he had said Jesus, that would have been something else. But he said Christ. They could identify with Christ easily from the prophets. Okay? So, in 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. So, we have prophets, 25. Right? Christ, 26. So when you say prophet, 
These are identifiable personalities in Genesis to Malachi. Mark it out because we need everything I'm saying. Then he says, ought not Christ, Christ is Meshach. I, th I thought we looked at that last year. Was it this year? Was it this year? Huh? This year, Christ? Christ from the Old Testament? We did. You've forgotten. Okay, I'll remind you. So, ought not Christ, that is Old Testament personality, 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Moses and all the prophets. He expounded to them in all the scriptures. Now, look at that classification again. Prophets, 25. Christ, within the prophets, 26. 27, Moses and the prophets. Ezekiel to, Ezekiel, or equal, sorry. I said Ezekiel, sorry. Why did I just say that? <laughs> very colloquial. Moses and the prophet equals to Ezekiel. That's a quite very literal. <laughs> Moses and the prophets equals the scriptures. Is it making sense? Huh? Are you there? Then verse 44. It came and spake to them, These are the words which I said to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written. Now pay attention to that written. Written there is the verb of scriptures. Grapho. G-R-A-P-H-O. Grapho. Written. You know, I was teasing your pastor today. I just literally wrote that in. When we got into Accra, so he sent me a text. He said, how's everything? I said, fine. I said, we're landed. So I, I sent a Yoruba word to him. I'm a Yoruba man, by the way. So I now said, Equile. So he now smiled. He said, no, he said something like, a, something, he answered like he knew what I was saying. I said, what did I just say? So, you know, I laughed when he responded. He said, it means cool down. So I said, you just looked at Eki, cool. <laughs> Isn't that too literal? <laughs> I said, normally, but the thing is that normally in uh, both Greek and Hebrew linguistics, there's something called ontology, uh, where you look at the uh, ontological words, of word, you call it onton. Don't let me confuse you, but it's a sound, you can know the sound of words whether they are related. So when, I, when you say Eki, in an Hebrew or Greek, precisely Hebrew, they have a car somewhere else. They are usually related. So it's on tongue. So I was telling him today that if it was in the same grammar, you probably would get it right. But Achille and calm down are just not the same thing. <laughs> and you get, didn't get that, but what a knowledge. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> so I was saying, grapho, right, is the verb of graphe. So, Okay. Speaker them all things which are written in the law, in the law of Moses. Now, if you pay very good attention to details, it didn't say law of Moses in 27. In the law of Moses, in the prophet and the Psalms concerning me. So you have law of Moses, prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. Then 45, then he opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So, scriptures, Moses and the, good, 
Actually, let's, let's track back a bit. Scriptures, prophets. First classification, right? Second classification, Moses and the prophet equals to scriptures. So, prophets equals to scriptures. Love Moses, prophets, and the Psalms equals to scriptures. Very good. So, if you pay good attention, everyone, Jesus and Paul, are all referring to the same book. Come on, guys. Jesus is not referring to Paul's letters. He's still there. Okay. So, now, if you're paying good attention, let me see whether you are paying good attention. That's quite, 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 uh, uh, what do you call that again? Uh, 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 repetition. Yeah, what's it again? If you're, paying, yeah, if you're paying good attention, let me see whether you're paying good attention. Now, you have Paul saying to Timothy, from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. Because holy just means sacred. Okay? Which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith that is in where? Christ Jesus. So, there's something in there that is different from what Jesus said. Quickly look at it. Jesus makes mention of Christ but he doesn't have Jesus. Paul says, Christ Jesus. I just told you, Christ is a personality where? But not Jesus. So, Jesus is a personality of the four Gospels. Right? Come on. Okay, let's try and remember. Matthew 1, 21. Okay? Where the angel came and said, um, Thou shalt call his name Jesus because he will for the sins of his people. Okay? He'll die for the sins of his people. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. So definitely whoever we're calling Jesus is a four gospels personality. Is that clear? Am I making sense here? Good. So if Paul now says Christ Jesus, that means that part of what Paul is referring to are the four gospels. Jesus doesn't refer to Paul's letters. Rather, it's Paul that refers to Jesus' story. Come on. You learning something here? Are you following what I'm saying? So now let's see the sequence. And this is how you should understand scripture. Jesus beginning at Moses. Right? And the prophets. Then so that you don't miss the emphasis. In verse 44, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Okay. So, which means, Paul is referring to the scriptures, which is broken down to what? The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. But because he said Christ Jesus, it includes the four gospels. Let me now say something that may be interesting. The four Gospels, much of it was not yet in circulation when he was writing. So this already shows you that there is a wide content of Paul's letters that came from the twelve. Right? Because the twelve were his witnesses. 
Acts 1 8, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utmost part of the earth. Luke 24, again, what we're done with 45, 46 says, Thus it written, Christ, and behold, Christ indeed must suffer and be raised from the dead the third day for the seven, and repentance and remission of sins shall be preached in him among all nations, being at Jerusalem. Verse 48, now Jesus talks to his own 12. He says, You are witnesses of these things. So the 12 became the authorized witnesses of the life of Jesus. Not everybody saw it, but he only authorized the 12, just the 12. And how do you know that? In Acts 1, when Judas, you know, had hung himself and killed himself, hung himself and hung himself, anyway, killed himself, and they were trying to replace him, they tried to pray for him, replace him. Then they said, uh, who among these men would choose? One, who to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus, a witness. They said, one who was with us from the baptism which John preached. Now, I want you to pay very good attention. There is this element many people have about the scriptures, almost like uh, Jesus. He looks like Pastor well, a little bit. Yeah. Kind of well, how do you, what, what are you doing here? I almost said that. But, you know. So he, how did I get it? It's so confusing me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, good. So you think that inspiration is like, we're going to write letters and God says, Moses, are you ready? Yes, Lord. Bring out your hand. The Holy Ghost says to him, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out from my voice. Stop. Go and drink water. Come back. If, <laughs> that's ridiculous. God didn't inspire people that way. The first way you know that God could not have inspired people that way, they, they wrote human language that they understood. So, they say, well, if the apostles were witnesses unto Jesus, of Jesus, but they only knew from the baptism of John, so where did the other story come from? His mom, right? His siblings gave him give them the story. So the inspiration will be God will say, go and ask those who are there. Not, you know, he was born in a manger. Oh Lord. Thank you for showing me Lord. Manger. Oh, when he was born he couldn't find a place to have give birth to him. Write it down. Are you aware that the wise men went to Herod? Ah, Lord, thank you for telling me. Herod almost killed them. They had to run. Right down. No. They got the information from men who knew. Are you there? So, let's now. In Luke, Luke was deliberate. Luke 1, verse 2, says that he gathered his information information from the eyewitnesses who are ministers of the word. See, that's how he got it from. Because Luke was not present. So the same way you write books, history, 
and get information. That's the same way the scriptures was written. Not the Lord said, sit down there. Do you know Jesus was betrayed? Eh? His name is Judas. Write it, Judas. <laughs> no. <laughs> Are you there? Okay, so I said that to say, Paul himself got information from the 12. Okay, so there were authorized 12. That's why Jesus will have miracles and he'll tell the 12, tell nobody. But now we know what he said, we should tell no one. Why? Because it's human meant tell nobody yet. So there were eyewitnesses, but others who saw it told the whole world. But they were meant to put the facts together intelligently for the purpose it was meant for. So they were his witnesses. So anywhere you see Jesus in Paul's letters, he didn't glean that from the law and the prophets because there's no Jesus there. He got it from the witnesses of Jesus who are eyewitnesses. That's why you, when you read the book of Acts, you see that consistently. Acts 2, 32, where it says we are witnesses. Talking about the 12. Acts 3, 19, it says again we are witnesses. Uh, is it 19, yeah. 19, we are witnesses. Okay? Acts 4, all right? Again, it says they are witnesses. Acts 5, 30, they are witnesses. In Acts uh, 10, verse 42 and 43, they are witnesses. So, the 12 were the witnesses. So, when Paul was going to write about his own gospel, verse 3, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Then he says, he was seen of Peter. Then the twelve. Then he mentioned the four hundred. We saw some, said some are not around again, they're dead. Then he said, of James and all the apostles, he was last of all seen of me. His own was a vision. So Paul is saying, the gospel is preaching, I'm not the only one who is a witness of Jesus. That's what we're saying here now. Very good. So let's track back to, to lay foundation. Jesus refers to the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Paul refers to the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, and the apostles. Look at the systematic way. Everyone refers to a writing before him. So the same way you start your own textbook reading from page one, not page 18. They say you have a rema. You will fail. They will hear in heaven. Aha. Everyone is systematic about it. So Jesus starts from Moses, then the prophets. Right? So which means, let's, let's take it again. So the law of Moses, the prophets. So one thing we have seen clearly is that the law of Moses comes first. Let me explain what law means. Particularly for those of us who are enamored with the grace message. You know, we think the law is the opposite of grace. That is absolutely wrong. Now, 
Let me say, let me say it again. Thinking the law is the opposite of grace is an absolute wrong information. It's a sweeping and misleading statement. I'll tell you why. See how we used the word babes. It depends on what you're talking about. For example, in Romans 8 verse 1, Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, right, in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. He gives you, he uses the law for two different things. For what the law could not do in that was weak through the flesh, God sent his own son like a sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now, so you have the law used differently. In fact, in chapter 3, verse 30, 28 to 30, it talks about the law of faith. In Galatians 6, verse 2, it says, fulfill ye the law of Christ. So don't use the law, don't use it in a sweeping way. No. And again, the word law does not mean legalism. The word law is taken from an Hebrew word, Torah, T-O-R-A-H. T-O-R-A-H. It means doctrine, direction, wisdom. Doctrine, direction, wisdom, instruction. Is that making sense? So when you say the law of Moses, you mean the doctrine of Huh? Can it also mean the writing of Moses? Huh? Come on. Would that include Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? Law is not the opposite of grace, except where he's talking about the law of sin and death. Okay, let me sh- show you this quickly. Look at John 1. John 1 1. Can I give you a quick, quick, quick class? You ready? Okay, let, 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 let's, let me give you background again. Like I said, we'll take off well. We're taking off well, right? We've not, we're not, we're not taken off. I'm going to give you announcements. Just announcements. We're about to board. Amen. So, this is clear, therefore, that Jesus taught from where? The scriptures. When I say the scriptures, what are you referring to? Books before him. Genesis to Malachi. Paul taught the scriptures. Genesis to Malachi and then the four gospels. I gave you a caveat. The four gospels were not in circulation when he was speaking. So which means he got it by oral delivery. Put that somewhere. We'll need that. So in John 1, John 1 says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Let me go, run through something with you. Take your Bible very quickly. And open to, open to Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. Mark 1.1, 1, 1, run through it together. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, Mark 1.1, 1, 1, then John 1.1. 1, 1. I see the similarity. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, this is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Right? Okay? The what? 
is called the son of David and the son of who? Abraham. Where are you going to get Abraham? Genesis. David, the Psalms, and the kingdoms. Very, very. Well, the first and second Samuel. The book of the generation. Now go to Genesis 5.1. Now that word, generation, is the Greek word genosos. Is another, is another shade of the meaning of the word genesis. So look at Genesis 5.1. Can you see? This is the book of the genealogy of who? Adam, the day God created him. Have you seen the similarity? So John is writing that pattern. Is linking Jesus to Adam. In other words, this is another Adam. We're going to look at that as we proceed. Is it making sense? So, is it clear that John is, sorry, sorry, Matthew, sorry. Matthew is taking his verbiage from where? Huh? Genesis. So, he intends that he should go back and read which book? So, go to Mark. Mark. The beginning, right, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word R-K. A-R-C-H-E. Another shade of the word Genesis. So both Matthew and Mark, did they write, did they start the four gospels beginning from Moses? Huh? Come on. Seen that? Good. R-K. Now go to John 1.1. In the beginning, clear enough, right? Was the word. Okay, again. The word was with God. Now, of course, we, we skip Luke because we're already in Luke. Right? Ah, well, Luke. Ah, good. So, the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness couldn't comprehend it. No doubt that's his genesis. Huh? So even Jesus' eyewitnesses wrote the same pattern. How would you now study scriptures and not beginning from, not begin from Genesis? A pattern is laid down. Now, we'll say something else. So he goes on, and he says there was a man sent from God. His name was John, and you skip that. Then he goes to 10 and 11. Now, I'll quickly tell you, when he says, came to his own, his own received him not, but as men as him, they then give the power called source of God. Now, let me leave that. So he says, which are born of the will of the flesh, of, God, of, of man, of blood, but of God. The word became flesh, 14, and dwelt amongst us. The word and dwelt amongst us. The word dwelt there is tabernacle. Skino. S-K-E-N-O. From the word skinny, S-K-E-N-E. Now, the tabernacle was built in Exodus. And when you hear the glory, glory is an Exodus word. So, which means John is writing Jesus from Genesis now to where? Come on, guys, are you following this? You following? The word became flesh. So, John takes his vocabulary from who? And dwelt amongst us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
In fact, if you need that word begotten of a father, which is the word monogenes, monogenes, M-O-N-O-G-N-E-S, it means a unique son. Now, that phrase is used for Isaac. That is the phrase used for Isaac. Monogenes. So again, he's writing from where again? Remember? Genesis 22 verse 2. Take your son, your only son. But he had Ishmael. So monogenes doesn't mean the only son. It means a unique one. So which means John, even though he's writing about Jesus, he's writing about Jesus according to Genesis. There we see in Exodus. So when it says, the world became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, we usually, go to 17 quickly. The law came, was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus. That looks like a contrast, but it's not a contrast. Because what we have been reading so far is what? Don't call it Genesis again. We've given a classification already. What is it? What is it? Okay. Everything is scripture. Right? So, the first five books, law of who? Is it correct? Beginning at Moses. Beginning at Genesis. So, when he said, in the beginning was the word, what was God, what was God, he's writing from which law? Huh? The word became flesh and we beheld his glory. Law of where? Uh-huh. So why would he now get in verse 17 and says, the law was given by Moses, forget it. Grace and truth came by Jesus. That cannot be a contradiction. It's an affirmation. Because the grace and the truth full of grace and truth is gleaned from the writing of Moses. Are you with me? He's not doing a contradiction. He's doing an affirmation. Go to Exodus 34. Exodus 33, 18 is where Moses says, show me your glory. That's what Moses says, show me your glory. Exodus 34, are you in verse 6? Read verse 6 out. Let me see. We are not there. Huh? The Lord passed from me. Huh? I said, the Lord. Uh huh. I proclaim the Lord is. Uh huh. Merciful. Hold on. Merciful. What? Gracious. Now, who is. Who, who is which book is this? No, no, no. Call it the name we have been saying. The Lord. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Merciful. Long suffering. Abundant in what? Goodness. Is that, is that full of grace and truth? Yes. So the phrase grace and truth came by Jesus was written by who? So who is the Lord that is referring to? Jesus. So grace and truth is a revelation of the law of who? Simple? 
The attempt sometimes by those who preach grace message to make Jesus and Moses collide is preposterous. Jesus affirmed Moses. John 5, 39. Are we together? Don't forget, we said law means what? Doctrine, direction, instruction. Very fine. Okay. So, John 5, 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me, you will not come to me that you may have life, right? Now, remember what scriptures are. Huh? What? what? Law of Moses, prophets, the Psalms. Now, go, look at 45. Think not that I'm come to accuse you before or to the Father. There's one which accuses you to the Father. Moses in whom you trust. Now, on the face of it, that looks like Jesus is, is disclaiming Moses. No, he couldn't have. Because in 39, it says the scriptures testify of me. And we know scriptures is law of Moses, prophets, and the Psalms. So 45... Think now, there's one that uses the word categorio. Categorio means, in the Greek, it means to lay a charge. To lay a charge. To lay a blame. Okay? Now, read 46 slowly. Had you believed Moses, you will have believed for he... Hold on one minute. The Greek for scriptures is what? The verb? Okay, 46. For he graphed me. So technically, the scriptures is referring to in 39 is who? The law of Moses. So let me say this a bit clearer to you. Technically, the fundamental or the primary book called scriptures is the law of Moses. Technically. For he wrote of me. And you believe Moses. Now, look at 47. You do not believe? Huh? And you believe Moses' writings, you will have believed my words. See that? So, Jesus equates the writings of Moses with his own words. He couldn't have been contradicting Moses. He was affirming Moses. Which means, Jesus took his teaching notes from who? Every writer of scriptures learned at the feet of who? Okay. Because, I, because Jesus, we don't want us to include Jesus. Look at Luke 2. I'll show you. Jesus learned at the feet of Moses. Look to. To learn at the feet means to be a student of, right? I'll just give you a few scriptures. Luke 10, verse 39. We saw Mary sat, was at the midst of the disciples. She sat at the feet of Jesus. To sit at the feet means to become a student of. 
Acts 22 verse 3, Paul said he's lent at the feet of one Gamaliel. So let's see whether Jesus also sat at the feet. Look too for this. Or you think he just showed up one day and he was quoting scriptures. You came from heaven to earth with these scriptures. Nope. Luke 2, 46. Now, Luke 2, 42. What's in 42? Sorry, Luke 2, 40. 450. The child Jesus what? Uh-huh. Filled with wisdom. So, which means Jesus grew spiritually. He grew. He grew. <laughs> you know? I think that from a child, you just started speaking in tongues. He didn't play any pranks. Hmm? The mom didn't have a reason to smack him. Our Lord Jesus. He didn't wee on his body. As a child, when it was a day old, he said, Mom, want to wee? <laughs> no. He grew like a normal human being. Okay, so he grew. Let's see how he grew. 46? Huh? Uh, it always comes to pass. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where? Uh, go on. Sitting. Can you see sitting? Uh-huh. Go on. In the midst of the doctors... So where did he learn from? Hearing them and asking questions. Well, hearing them is akuho. A-K-U-O. It means he was giving attention. Asking questions, the eperotao in the Greek, E-P-E-R-O-T-A-O, means to want to know. So if you want to know how Jesus learned scripture, that is it. They were now asked verse 47 at what and his answers apocrima in the Greek the understanding sunesis the way he was able to put together what they were teaching and his answers so he's able to answer well because he listened well for how long three So did Jesus learn the word? Okay. So those doctors of the law, they were doctors of the law of Moses. So did Jesus sit at the feet of Moses? Yes, he did. He learned at the feet of... Every writer of scripture, every teacher is a student of Moses. Beginning at Moses. Now, look, look at Joshua 1. This book of the law. Let me explain this to you. Now, technically, the word prophets. When you hear the law of Moses and the prophets. Prophets begins at Joshua. A prophet is an interpreter. So, from Joshua down, you find a group of people who are interpreting the law of Moses. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate day and night and observe to do all that is written 
then thou shalt make your way prosperous and have good success. So, everyone is a student of Moses. Everybody. Including God himself. Because he became a man. If he became a man and he was full of the word, he was not a man. He had to learn like every man. Like every man. He will learn. That's why I say he grew. In fact, in verse 52, he increased his stature in favor with God and man. Look to so it was it was written. So I you know I told you earlier on that Luke got his account from different people. Now notice that Luke was the one that gave us Mary's side of the story. Matthew gave us Matthew's side. I mean Joseph's side. Just history. Luke gave us the details how they were looking for a place to give birth to him. You know things the angel said to Mary. Those were too detailed. You know, Luke 1, Luke 2. You see the details. Now, who would know that he was growing? The mom. She kept the sayings in her heart. This guy is growing. He's growing. He's growing in the wisdom of God. He's growing in the word. Amen. Am I making sense? Uh-huh. Good. So everyone learned at the feet of Moses. So we can therefore say, safely say, that the law of Moses is the fundamental basis of all Christian doctrine. All Christian doctrine are rooted. Don't forget, law of Moses means what? Doctrine. Doctrine. Genesis, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounds them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Are we together? Very good. So, which means, all writers from Joshua up till Paul and the apostles were equally interpreting the law of Moses. Don't forget, law of Moses means doctrine. So when we say scriptures, technically, we're primarily referring to the first five books. That's where you have doctrine, Torah, doctrine. So from a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Which means that, let me put it in a very simple way. Please come, Pastor. Assuming you are Moses, let's assume, and these are later writers. We can come to. These are all the prophets, let's assume. So he writes first, Moses. He interprets Moses. This is Joshua. He must interpret him together with him. If I come, I go this, this, this. Or I start like this, here to here. So everybody that comes after will follow the same pattern. 
So the, the farther you are from Moses, the more work you have to do. Now, Paul. Oh, you. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> you got more work to do. So he says, he opened their understanding that they might understand. Understand is tsunami to read everything together. So your doctrine on any subject must follow the same pattern. Because where we are going to between now and September is a very simple subject. I, I, I gave it a title before I came up. But pastor said we should not give title. That's why I won't give it a title again. But you'll find out what it is. It's a simple word. Alright? So, every doctrine must begin that way. And I say it often times. When you say the Bible says, you are not referring to one verse. You are referring to 66 books. <laughs> when you say the Bible says, because the Bible is 66 books. Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. What about Jeremiah? What about Exodus? That's the Bible says. So for us to come to a conclusion of what the Bible says, it's not a jiffy. It's a painstaking study of scriptures over time on any subject whatsoever. Anyone. Marriage, finances, slavery, right? Sex, um, prayer. Because all, now, let, let's get something right again. Let's come up again. Sorry. You, you can hide. You can come. You should have a lot of prophets here now. So here's Moses. Here's Joshua. Here's the prophets <laughs> and the Psalms. Right? So, whenever he's writing, what's the context of his writing? Now, he comes after him. Whenever he's writing, what's the context of his own writing? If he's writing, if this is Jesus, Paul, Jesus first. So the context of a book is a book it is interpreting. So context is not the verse before it, the verse after. No, no, that's not context. Have you seen? You've not started context. Context is the whole Bible. Amen. Don't say, read the verse before it. Read the verse after it. Pretext, post-text. Context is the whole Bible. So when you say the Bible says, be prepared to take a long journey on the Bible says. So when we start the subject tomorrow or the day after, <laughs> you will know why I took this out. 
We are not that. I'm just gisting with you. <laughs> so when we look at the subjects, you know, any subject whatsoever, if you quote Ephesians, you are just starting. Because Paul never intended that his letters will replace the scriptures. In fact, his letters, let me put it like this. This is Yaka House. I have to run quick, have a few moments. Now, a fundamental rule of interpretation is to find the mind of the writer. What do I mean? There is no way anybody can write a letter. For example, someone writes a letter now and shows you, ah, this letter was in 1926. Then you now see, listen well, though. You now see, check my Instagram account. You say, oh, it's not possible now. Because there was no Instagram in 1926. So you, you cannot impose your mind and your own information today on a writer that wrote 2,000 years ago. You have to find out what is on his mind. Now, I said that to say, Paul, what was on his mind? when he was writing. Now, the letters of Paul were not meant to be scriptures. You know why? Because they were used in his absence. Whenever he was present, they read the scriptures. So he could not have thought in his mind that a day will come where we would neglect what he was teaching from and use his letters. You follow what I'm saying here? Could have thought like that way. Because his letters, if you notice, they were read in his absence. He would come to church and say, Praise the Lord, is in Rome. I, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. Separated to the gospel of God. To you saints. No. That was in his absence. But whenever he was present. Beginning at Moses. And all the prophets. That's what he would do. So therefore. We can call the epistles follow up letters. Follow up letters. To see that the believers were doing the word written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That is what they were. So, in other words, if that was not in his mind that we should, I'll go to this tomorrow, maybe tomorrow or the day after that. One of the challenges we have today is the fact that some people, after a while, have used the phrase Old and New Testament for books of the Bible that was not intended by Jesus or Paul. No, they didn't. Old and New Testament references didn't come from Paul or Peter. No, they never called Genesis to Malachi Old Testament. They never did. They didn't. So that alone is a problem. Because the evidence that Genesis to Malachi is Old Testament, now in, in Bible interpretation, they call it internal evidence. There is no internal evidence that Genesis to Malachi is called Old Testament. Rather, it's called the Word of God. 
or the gospel or the prophets. Therefore, I close. The good preacher closes five times. <laughs> so, a preacher of the word must know why the epistles were written. Why were they written? They were not written to replace the Old Testament. Who said, no, I live in the epistles. I agree. But if you live in the epistles, it's tantamount to living in the law of Moses, the prophet, and the Psalms. It's not an escape from the law of Moses, the prophet, and the Psalms. Rather, the epistles direct you back to those books. Who's following what I'm saying tonight? So usually, why we have a challenge with the Old Testament books is not knowing how they were interpreted. How were they interpreted? How were they taught? I'm not saying how were they taught by Paul. How was he taught by Moses himself? How? How was he taught? How would you imagine that Moses and his audience felt that a snake spoke to Eve? They are not stupid. They knew that snakes don't talk. But Jehovah's Witness, Wickedness book, <laughs> someone told me, we're doing a book later in the year, my book of Bible stories, the Christ edition. And I left that, sub, that title like that deliberately. Someone said, what about copyright? When we get to the bridge, we'll cross it. I want it to be clear that I'm writing to correct that book. It was, how would you explain to your children that a snake was talking? Say, mommy, daddy, you mean snake spoke? How did they talk? Shut up your mouth. You want to be questioning the word of God? No, you are the one that is not intelligent. Snakes don't talk. Simple. So when they had the fruit, mommy, you mean if I take some fruit, I'll sin? Not that kind, not that kind of fruit. What's the name of the fruit? Shut your mouth. The fruit is just the fruit. Hallelujah. His audience were not daft. They knew that snakes were not talking. What are they talking about? We'll find out. See you in the morning.